0: Hi, I'm Ryan Becker, and you're listening to the Rock Hill Seventh-day Adventist Church Official Sermon Archive. You can find more information about our church at www.rockhillsdachurch.org. We hope by listening to this message that you are encouraged and challenged in your walk with Christ. Good morning, church. Good morning. Happy Sabbath to you. Happy Sabbath to yeah, you. I was just uh, sharing with Brother Ken. I feel beleaguered this morning, just drained and tired and so happy to be here. And I, I was, uh, you know, I was sharing with my son earlier in the week, he had a couple of things that came up, and I said, son, sometimes you have to be prepared to encourage yourself, you know, when things aren't going right, when you just don't feel at your best, you got to be like Paul and Silas and... Encourage yourself, and so that's what I'm doing this morning is I have made a decision Regardless how I feel I'm gonna have a smile on my face I'm going to feel good be happy and encourage myself and Speaking to you young people. I hope you take that lesson through life with you because things are not always easy Life, God said he reigns on the just and the unjust alike. And so sometimes you may be in a situation where you have to smile through your your pain, smile through your trouble, and be happy anyways. As some of you know, uh, last week I was in Ohio with my father uh, at our family reunion. And I made the vital mistake of playing in the three-on-three basketball tournament. <laughs> my knees swoll up like bowling balls. And for five days, I could not bend my knees and hardly walk. And so today, I got up and I showed my wife. I said, look, I can bend my knees. I'm getting back to the old me. I'm still in a little bit of pain, though. But I'm encouraging myself. So I hope that you will encourage yourself in the Lord. I encourage you not to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> My wife did tell me, she says, honey, you should not play. Maybe try officiating or something. So I will take that advice next, next year. Trust me, I will take that advice. But we had a wonderful time. Uh, we, we had uh, our family from From Rhode Island, from North Carolina, from California, uh, and from Ohio. Uh, It was a blessed time and so happy to be there. Uh, But as well, I'm happy to be back home uh, with you this morning. So, the Sabbath. Praise God for the Sabbath. Word of God says that he rested from all of his creation. Then he sanctified, and he blessed this day. Then he called us to remember it, to keep it holy, so that we could enjoy the same rest. And I can't wrap my mind around the idea that he blessed this day. And he called us into his fellowship for a period of rest. Think about that. With all of our cares and everything that we endure and we go through, God has set aside this respite. He's taken this day out of all of the days of the week and he blessed it. No matter what you're going through, no matter what trials or tribulations or what's got your spirit oppressed this morning, God said, here you will find your rest. And I'm so thankful for that this morning. This morning, the the title of my sermon is, Why Jesus? Why Jesus? I, I walked into Sabbath school this morning and the lesson it parallels uh, my sermon just marvelously and I hope you studied your lesson this week because that is a further I guess uh, expounds on what I'm gonna share with you the lesson spoke about the law and the idea that the law cannot make you righteous that it cannot earn you salvation And this morning I'm gonna speak on Why Jesus? But before we get started this morning, let's offer a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we love to hear your name because there is power in your name. Father, we know that your word is the only thing that changes our lives and our being. And so for that, we're eternally grateful fathers we open up your word to study this morning we ask that you would just remove all distractions we may focus and hear from you we thank you for this in Jesus name we pray amen, amen. so this morning in John three sixteen, we read the words for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son but the part that I want to focus on is whosoever believes in him, whosoever believes in him, man, woman, boy, girl, black, white, red, yellow, brown, whoever believes in him, the word of God says that he will not perish, but he will have eternal life. But it requires faith and it requires belief. And his son, Jesus, who is the Christ. That's the first thing I want to illustrate this morning. Flip over to the book of Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. Isaiah chapter 53. Beginning there in the second verse. Speaking of Jesus, the prophet says... For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or splendor of appearance, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men. He is a man of many sorrows, and he's acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs, our sicknesses. Yet we did not esteem him stricken, crushed of God, and afflicted. But he was Wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. In verse 6. This is where I want to focus. All. And I have that word circled in my Bible. All. We like sheep have gone astray we have turned everyone to his own way and the lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all word of god says that every one of us has turned to our own way like sheep who are scattered and lost but the most important part there it says that God laid upon him the iniquity of all of our sins. Can you imagine that? He laid upon him the iniquity for you and for me. I want to share something this morning with you. It is called the embesis law. I don't know how many of you are familiar with that something i hope that you won't forget after this study together it's called the embesis law and the law says in order for something to become clean something else must become dirty in order for something to become clean something else must become dirty all right so want to give you a little illustration to help make that point this morning. This morning I woke up, I got in the shower and I bathed and my wife who sells Mary Kay products, she's got 16 bottles in the shower for me, (laughs) right? I'm supposed to go through this 16 step process to cleanse my face to scrub my face, exfoliate my face, to make my face smell better, smile bigger, whatever it is, I go through these 16 steps. So I did that this morning. And so I am sure that I'm clean. But when I take this cotton ball, this clean cotton ball, and I began to... Do like she told me before I go to bed at night. I am pretty clean, but you can see the dirt. You can see the dirt. Now, I haven't been removed from my shower, but for a very short period of time, and yet I am dirty again. The point I want to illustrate to you this morning is that sin is like the dirt that is on the cotton ball. Sometimes we think that we are clean, when in reality, the Bible tells us that we are filthy, that we are dirty, that our righteousness is as a filthy rag, and it says, no, not one. Is without sin. Not one has done good. For we are all unrighteous. We have all fallen short. Of the glory of God. So. With the law of imbeces. In order for this. Dirty person. To become clean. It requires. That there is something clean. To remove the stain upon me. Are you following me this morning? We will require something pure, something holy, to remove the stain of sin that is upon us. And let me tell you something else this morning. You are a believer, you are a follower of God, And it is through him that you were made into God's righteousness. Satan will try to convince you that you are still wicked, still unrighteous, and still unholy. And let me tell you that just because you accept Jesus does not mean that you will become sinless and never sin again. In fact, it is a daily struggle because we are still in our flesh. But it is the accuser of the brethren who will try to convince you, Pastor, that you are not worthy to preach the word of God, that you are not worthy to stand before God. I want you to know this morning that it is not you, but it is Jesus in you. The law of in pieces. in order for something to become clean something else must become dirty turn over with me into second corinthians second corinthians chapter 5 romans first corinthians second corinthians chapter 5 there in verse 21 We read the words, for he has made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Try to wrap your minds around that. He says that you are the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God. How can a sinful man like me be compared with the righteousness of God? Truly, there must be an error in this scripture. Something must be afoot here. He says, speaking of Jesus, he has made him to be sin for us. Not me, but Jesus. Jesus has been made sin for me so that I can be the righteousness of God. He removes all of the stain of sin that is upon me. So when I stand before his holy throne, I'm no longer dirty and impure and sinful and unrighteous. I stand in the judgment as the righteousness of God. Not because of me, but because of what he has done for me. Are you following me this morning? I recall the last supper when Jesus had girded himself with towel and he began to wash the feet of the disciples. And he reached Peter and he said, Peter, i wash your feet. And Peter said, not me, Lord. And Jesus said, Peter, you know not what you say. Unless I wash you, you cannot enter into my kingdom. And Peter said, not only my hands, but my head also. Jesus said, once I've washed you, Peter, only your feet, you are clean. It's not a physical cleansing. It's a spiritual cleansing. We need to be washed in the blood of Jesus. Righteousness of God. Psalm said, or or David said in the 51st Psalm, speaking of his transgressions with Bathsheba and her husband Uriah, he said, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Wash me, Lord. Problem is that we already see ourselves as clean, as cleansed, as not needing a savior, as being holy, as contained within ourselves. That is the the law that points us to our wonderful savior. It's the law that shows us the dirt and the muck, our sinfulness, and says, you need a savior. It points us to the Christ. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Let's turn over in Colossians, the first chapter. Philippians, Colossians, chapter one. Verse starting in verse 12, the Word of God says, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers. He has, he has qualified us of the inheritance of the saints of life, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Paul says that we have been delivered. Delivered from who? Delivered from what? He says from the power of darkness. You have been delivered from sin. The power of darkness. How often do we talk about this power of darkness? Two weeks ago I was teaching And I talked about the idea that we live in a spiritual realm, but even Christians hesitate to talk about the spiritual realm. We look outside and and it is evident that we live in a spiritual realm. We see the trees and the flowers and the grass and the heavens and the air that we breathe and the air and the rain. I've not known one man who can create any of that. realm says we have been delivered from the powers of darkness there is a power on this earth that rules man we are dead in our sin and in our trespass here Paul says we've been delivered from the power of darkness and he has transferred us and to the kingdom of his son. Let me tell you something. There are many a people in the valley of indecision that are marching towards the greatest death camp that ever there was. All of us are familiar with genocides and, and, and with, with, with great tragedies. That have occurred on this earth. But there is one that is coming. That is even more great. Than anything that we have seen. Upon this earth. And every day. We are marching closer. And closer to its gates. God is holy. And he is true. And he is just. And he does not lie. He says that he will return. You can rest assured that he is coming again. the word of God says that he will render to everyone according to their words. Sin. Sin is that which leads you to this death camp. Jesus is that which transfers you from the death camp to eternal life. I'm not sure I can speak any more plain on this subject, but uh, I will attempt, let us turn to the book of Zechariah. The 14th chapter. Speaking of this time of the end. Zechariah chapter 14. Speaking of that time when we shall see Jesus' feet. There in verse 4 it says, And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. There shall be a very great valley. Half of the mountain shall remove toward the north and half of it toward the south. And you will flee to the valley of the mountains. For the valley of the mountains shall reach into Ezel Yale, Ye shall flee like you have fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, the king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come and all the saints with him. Verse six, and it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not be clear nor dark. But it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, neither day nor night, but it shall come to pass that evening time. It shall be as though it were light. And it shall be In that day that living water shall go out from Jerusalem. Half of them towards the former sea, and half of them toward the hinder sea, or the dead sea and the Mediterranean sea. And in the winter shall it be. Verse 9. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. And in that day there be one Lord, and his name shall be one keep your place there and turn over to revelations chapter 11 real quickly revelations 11 verse 15 11:15 15 says in the seventh angel he blew that great trumpet and there were great voices in heaven saying The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. The time is coming when he will return. And this is what we're speaking about here in Zechariah. Verse 10 in the book of Zechariah, the 14th chapter says this. And the land shall be turned as a plain. And it shall be lifted up. Speaking of Jerusalem. Verse 11. And men shall dwell in it. And there shall be no more utter destruction. But Jerusalem shall be safely inhabited. I'm getting to the place where I'm going. Stay with me. Verse 12. And this shall be the plague wherewith the Lord will smite all the people that have fought against Jerusalem. Their flesh... Their flesh, it says, shall decay away while they stand upon their feet. And their eyes shall consume away, and their sockets in their eyes, and their tongue shall consume away in their mouth. While the new Jerusalem is here, ascending upon the earth, those who had fought against Jerusalem, it says they stand and began to decay. Their skin begins to decay. Their eyes, in the sockets of their eyes, even their tongue begins to consume away. Verse 13: And it shall come to pass in that day that a great panic. From the Lord shall be among them. They shall lay hold, every one, on the hand of his neighbor. And his hand shall rise up against the hand of his neighbor. They won't know what is happening to them. It will be a moment of great panic and fear. What I'm telling you this morning is that Jesus has delivered you from this destruction that is coming. Judah also shall fight at Jerusalem and the wealth of all the heathen round about shall be gathered together, gold and silver and apparel in great abundance. Verse 16, it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all of the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and keep the feast of tabernacles. Jesus did that for you. He took your iniquity so that you could become the righteousness of God, so that you would have the right to eternal life, so that you could be delivered from the power of darkness, so that you could be transferred into the kingdom of God. What a wonderful Savior we serve. One who loved us while we were yet in our sins. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Word of God says, for by grace... By grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any of us should boast. It's my futile attempt at a gift. If I give you a gift, Ed, have you earned it? Why do I give you a gift? Well, I love because I love you. There's nothing that I can do to earn my way to heaven. God says, because I love you, I'm offering you eternal life. Not because you've earned it. Not because you've done anything so spectacular. And my question is, then how is it that we are not able to love? God has forgiven me of so much. Why is it that the things that I wrestle with and the things that You wrestle with I'm more interested in pointing out your problems than my own problems. It's because we believe that we are holy. We believe that we are righteous. When I truly understand that I am of no good thing, how can I focus on your sin problem? How can I be your judge? I I need my own advocate. I need my own attorney. I need one to represent me and to stand before me in the court of appeals. The gift of God is your salvation. It's a gift. There's nothing we can do to earn it. 1 John 5.11 says, and this is the record that God has given to us, eternal life. And this life is in his son. must be received in our hearts. It's the Sabbath school lesson so beautifully illustrated this morning, is more than the law and the letter of the law, It's the spirit of that law must enter into our hearts. Turn with me as we close this morning. Book of John, chapter one. John one, verse 12 says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the children of God even to them that believe on his name. To as many who received him. To as many who received him. I handed Edward the gift, he received it. There are many who refuse God's gift. There are many who reject his love and his mercy and his kindness it's of the heart stand with me this morning